It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The Take it home on a Tuesday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Romp, along with Adam Lundy. Always a pleasure to have you join us to wrap up your work day. And we've got a big show. We don't take that responsibility lightly. So we have packed up the show. Plenty of great content. And Dylan Sin from the Journal-Gazette is going to join us in our number two. We've always got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Questions, comments, or suggestions. And we also have Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. That is coming up in our number two. You feeling ready? Uh, I've got a little bit of a win streak going. I don't think I've lost in 2024. I no. Think, no. Uh, so far, I am 2-0 and in 2024, so I'm going to try to keep my win streak going. What's funny about that is I think the Mastodons are 0-3 in 2024. Ooh. Isn't that odd that you change the calendar and it makes that much difference? Well, it doesn't really make difference for me because I was <laughs> whooping everybody in 2023. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, Mastodons were 13-2 and at the end of 2023, and now they are 0-3 in the beginning of 2024. Got a chance to turn that around tomorrow. The Mastodons host IUPUI out at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. We've got coverage here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Last night, NFL wild card round done. Benito, last two games were played, including the Snow Bowl in Buffalo, where the Buffalo Bills held on, defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 31-17. to Buffalo raced out to a big advantage early. Pittsburgh did make it somewhat interesting, but eventually the Bills scored the clinching touchdown and then uh, held on for the victory over the Steelers. So Buffalo advances, and now Buffalo is going to be hosting Kansas City. That's a good game. You know, that's the classic matchup yep. featuring two really good quarterbacks. But almost every time we've seen it, it always has been in Kansas City. This time, Buffalo gets them to come to their place. And uh, and so that will be a big advantage for the Buffalo Bills. But that's going to be a heck of a game yeah. for a divisional matchup. It also is going to be the game we have to wait for. Oh, because no. it's the Sunday night game. There's ah. two games Saturday, two games Sunday. And the last of the four games is, of course, going to be Kansas City at Buffalo. Mahomes versus Allen, they knew what they were doing, putting this as the Sunday night game. Oh, yeah, they got excited about that. Uh, Also, last night, we saw the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue Philadelphia's slide. What happened to the Eagles? 
no idea. That's but that's a total collapse. It's 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 honestly insane because we thought a lot of people thought that this could happen, but we didn't think it was going to happen like this. I mean, they had a grueling schedule where they had like three tough games in a row and didn't fare well. And it seems like, see, here's the thing is adversity exposes character. Right. And what happened, I think, is they won for two years and everybody's happy when you're winning. But as soon as you lose you know, the ones who don't have great character are looking to point fingers and to call out everybody who is guilty of our problems. Uh, and and I think that's what happened internally within that locker room is I think they started to call out coaches. They started to not believe in some of the direction they were getting. And the next thing you know, that whole structure fell apart. And that's under the watch of Nick Sirianni. So, you know, you've got to kind of ask, is the future safe for Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia? Uh, You know, it is Philadelphia. Fans are pretty quick to react and maybe even overreact. Throw some popcorn. But, uh, you know, it also maybe makes you believe that Shane Steichen, who did such a terrific job in Indianapolis this year, that he might have been the glue that held that together. In Philadelphia, he might have been the one coach everybody respected and admired and uh, created kind of a balance with Nick Sirianni, who's kind of the emotional guy, Shane Steichen, more the analytical, the straight shooter. Uh, I don't want to say a good cop, bad cop, because I don't know that either one was a bad cop, but uh, just a different style between the two that complemented each other well, because that that entire organization fell apart. Yeah. And it's falling apart more because Jason Kelsey now retiring, and that is one key piece of Philadelphia. And I know he's just a center. Uh, and, you know, but of course, you know, Jeff Saturday was an important part of the Indianapolis Colts, other than when he was coaching them. <laughs> but you take a center, and if you saw last night, he was there barking out the, uh, the blocking assignments and where the blitzes were coming from. And, uh, you know, he, he just understands things because he's seen it through his long career. 35 years old, he's finally going to step away. But that is a major loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. If you know, it, It's not often that you can say an offensive lineman is a difference maker. But I do think in this case, you lose an important element of the, the tush push. <laughs> uh, because let's face it, that's where it comes from. Oh, center, yeah. Right, right up the middle. Yep. Right on the tookus. <laughs> yeah. And so you're taking the center out of that play. He always had really low, low leverage when he went into the line and got a great push. And uh, it's it's just a lot of things are changing for Philadelphia. But one thing that has changed for Buffalo is they figured it out. They were backs against the wall, couldn't afford another loss. And all they've done is win. And last night they did it again. I told you. Uh, Adam, that mm-hmm. I thought Buffalo had the advantage because they've been playing playoff football for about the last five or six games. Yeah. And Josh Allen alluded to that after the game, said, I thought, you know, we were very comfortable. We were very relaxed because we've been in this setting now for five or six games with the same type of pressure. If we lost, our season was going to end. And uh, and he says, so we're very comfortable with the type of pressure that we had to deal with. And he came out ready to play, very focused and uh, Josh Allen had a big part in that. He was outstanding early in this game and never was bad, 
I mean, Josh <laughs> Allen was 23 of 30, throwing the football for 203 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. In fact, here's what I was thinking watching this game. Josh Allen is exactly what the Colts hope to have with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. The same model type of quarterback. Big, strong arm guy who doesn't make mistakes, doesn't have to throw for 375. You can balance it with a little bit of a running game. But also, when you need a play made, who made it last night? Josh Allen, that 52-yard run. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, where he had to run through a couple tackles, weave his way, dance down the field between the 15 and 10-yard line, and then put on the sprint to beat everybody to the goal line. That's exactly what the Colts hope they have in Anthony Richardson. And I know it's a lofty comparison, and somebody's going to say, you know, you can't expect Anthony Richardson to be Josh Allen's. That, that style of quarterback, the guy who can deliver the run when you need a play made, uh, he's a running threat. Josh Allen, we talked about it during the season. Mm-hmm. You remember I said, I don't think Josh Allen's running as much. Yeah, and I was just going to say they've done a very good job of taking, reining him in a little bit. Yeah, and uh, he didn't run as much, but now when they need him, now he's going to go ahead and and take it. And he's not going to slide. He's going to try to get as far as he can, and he's a big-bodied quarterback, much like Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, you know, eight rushes, 74 yards, including that 52-yard touchdown run, he put on a show last night. In fact, last night was not a good night for the state of Pennsylvania. No. Much like what Republicans suffered in Pennsylvania (laughs) a few years ago. Uh, It was not a good night for the state. You had Philadelphia and Pittsburgh both get knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, like we talked about, Sirianni is definitely, according to at least some fans, he's on the hot seat. There's already, you know, people talking, would Bill Belichick be a good fit in Philadelphia? If, yeah. You know, it's just like, come on. Wow. Yeah, but, they're trying to replace him. And, you know, and that's one of the things with the pressure of the decision on some of these coaches. Like when you look at Mike McCarthy, you look at Nick Sirianni, uh, coaches that had solid regular seasons. Nick Sirianni, of course, uh, you know, success last year. And uh, and you think, is the pressure on them so great because of the list of court coaches that are out there? When you look at Pete Carroll, you look at uh, Bill Belichick, and you start to look at some of these coaches and Jim Harbaugh's name, obviously still circulating among pro circles. Yeah. He hasn't signed a contract with the Chargers yet, so nope, not as not as far as we know. No, but uh, but I think we do know the replacement, or at least somebody who would like to be the replacement in Ann Arbor if Jim Harbaugh decides to jump ship and go to the NFL, because there are now reports that Ryan Kelly, former Notre Dame coach, <laughs> is interested in coaching the Wolverines. Should that job become available? Here comes Brian. <laughs> After all of two seasons down in Baton Rouge. Oh. <laughs> Howdy, boys. How you doing? I'm totally a LSU guy. I'm Brian guy. Kelly, and I'm going to lose this southern accent. <laughs> I'm going back north to the Midwest. You know, I'm very excited to coach the Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he, and he got his start in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Coaching, what, the D2 level? D th- was it D2? Uh, with Grand Valley State, I think I think that was D two, D three. I don't know. We'll but find out. Lower levels, and that's kind of where he made a name for himself, and and first started his coaching career. 
And so it would be kind of a return home for Brian Kelly, but it it also tells you that the pressures of coaching in the SEC are significantly higher uh, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to performance on Saturdays, uh, their expectations through the roof down in the SEC. And I'm sure that he probably looks at it and thinks, you know, I can compete in the Midwest with a Midwest-style student-athlete. Uh, and uh, But, you know, those things are leaked because someone wants them leaked. And to me, somebody in Brian Kelly's camp wanted to make sure that the word was out that Brian Kelly would have interest in Michigan should it become available. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Yeah, somebody texted in, that he said last week that he's going to be staying at LSU because he was att- attached to some other coaching job. That's what uh, everybody That's what everybody says. says, and that other coaching job wasn't Michigan. Yeah, when you when you get pinned, was that Alabama? I have no idea, honestly, uh, what school I, it was. I think that his name surfaced with Alabama. But, but the point is, when you're confronted, you've got no other response than to say publicly, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm committed to what I'm doing here and, and everything. But because everybody complained that Kalen DeBoer lied out in Washington. Oh, he said he was going to stay. It's like, what option do you give the guy when you ask him the question? Right. What, what do you expect? And uh, I actually joked on, on X. <laughs> I said, what, would everybody in Washington have been pleased if uh, over the last couple of years, if Kalen DeBoer says, by the way, I'm only here until Nick Saban retires. <laughs> so just, you know, I hope we're good with that. Yeah, it's just uh, it's college coach speak. You know, you, you have no choice right. when you're confronted with the question directly. If you're going to answer it at all. Now, you could take Mike Tomlin's route. As soon as the question starts to get answered, you immediately leave the podium and get out of the room. So you don't have, yeah. But if you're going to answer the question directly, you're always going to uh, proclaim your your uh, devotion and your <laughs> commitment to the current program. Yeah, and this is, you know, it is a rumor. It's just something that's circulating the web right now. But it's like you said, these rumors get out for a reason. Oh, well, it's uh, it's a report more that somebody is wanting to report that Brian Kelly has interest. And like I said, if I, I think for a fact, Brian Kelly would have interest. Oh, yeah. Would he leave? No. And if he chooses not to leave or he's not the one selected, you can never say anything to that LSU fan base that turns them against you. No. And so anybody who asks him the question, are you loyal to LSU? Are you planning on staying? Yes, I am planning on being here <laughs> a long time. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> By the way, uh, Grand Valley State was D2. D2. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that uh, that came <laughs> out. Um, you know what? I think it's possible. I think it is possible that Mike Tomlin, because the Steelers are not an organization that fires coaches. And so I would find it almost impossible to believe that the Steelers would ever consider firing Mike Tomlin. Now, things probably haven't gone as expected, and most organizations would probably want to have a word or two with Mike Tomlin. But, um, you know, Bill Cowher was there 15 years. And what did he do? A successful coach who walked away. 17 years with Mike Tomlin. I think anytime a coach gets in one spot for that long, 
he himself becomes stale. It's one thing to uh, for players to hear the same voice, same systems, you know, same game plan over and over and over for an entire career. But it's also the coach who needs that new challenge. And and I think, you know, you look at it and Tomlin, 17 years, Cower 15 years. Is this the time to step away? And it's remarkable, remarkable how closely connected these two are. Bill Cower, after 15 years, he was 49. He got hired when he was 34. Huh. How old was Mike Tomlin when he got hired as coach of the Steelers? 34. Huh. Power retired at 49. Mike Tomlin is now 51. 15 years for Bill Cower. He finished with a win percentage of 623. Mike Tomlin, over 17 seasons, has a win percentage of 631. Very close. And so it would not be the first time that you've got a coach who's had success, had a fairly lengthy career. In fact, it's a lifetime to coach an NFL team for 15 seasons or more that you have someone walk away. And the fact that he walked away from the podium means that there is a chance that's going to happen. Because if there was no chance that he was going to consider stepping aside or whether or not he feels pressure from the Rooney family, whatever, if there was no chance that he wasn't going to be back next year, he would have stood there at the podium and answered the question. He avoided it because he didn't want to give the answer. And that's exactly my point that I was making earlier If you're going to stay at the podium and you're going to answer the questions about your future, you have a diplomatic answer that you have to give. And it may not be the truth. If you don't want to give that answer, you don't answer the question at all. You walk away. You ignore it. We've seen this in politics. You become a meme on Twitter. Don't (laughs) don't hear the question, uh, whatever it might be. But in this case, Bill or uh, Mike Tomlin just completely walked away as soon as the reporter asked about his future. Right. Walked away, wasn't going to answer it. And and that's why you almost think there's some substance here, that there's a consideration for, for Mike Tomlin to walk away from the Pittsburgh Steelers and basically do what Bill Cowher did. And that's what the Steelers organization has basically allowed and supported by being loyal to their coaches is after a certain amount of time, it just gets stale. It's time to step aside and refresh, whether that means a year away from football or, in Bill Cowher's case, an entire career on television. Whatever it might be for Mike Tomlin, it would not surprise me if this is the time. Because if you look, what would lure him back? There's there's no real quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. Personnel is always going to be decent, never going to be great. They've set a bar where they have a very high floor, but often a marginal ceiling where they aren't quite good enough because they don't have the franchise guy. Now, when they had Ben Roethlisberger, they were able to get to the Super Bowl a couple of times. But other than that, I think uh, 
you know, it's one of those organizations where you're going to fight and claw to get nine or ten wins out of a 17-win season. Hope you make it uh, on the bubble and get into the playoffs and probably get a pretty, pretty quick exit out of the playoffs. That's the best. That's the ceiling right now for the Steelers. And I'm not sure if Mike Tomlin wants to go through the work of another year with that being the case. 46862, Sparkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Let's check in what's happening in the world of sports. It's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Thanks, Brett. Former Maryland quarterback Talia Tagovailoa's waiver for an additional year of eligibility has been denied. The Ooh. waiver was denied despite coach Nick Saban in Alabama writing a strong plea of support to the NCAA. As a result, Tagovailoa, who had entered the transfer portal this month, instead will begin training for the NFL draft. The ECHL's Board of Governors approved an expansion team for Bloomington, Illinois, that will begin play next season. It will be owned and operated by Hallett Sports and Entertainment, which owns the ECHL's Indy Fuel, and the new team will likely become a division opponent of the Comets. The new team will skate in the 7,000-seat Grossinger Motors Arena, which is owned by the city. The ECHL will grow from 28 to 30 teams next season with the Lake Tahoe Night Monsters also joining the league. This is a good thing for the Comets. Because it gives them another Midwestern opponent, so we don't have to have 13 or 14 games against the uh, Kalamazoo Wings or somebody. (laughs) You know, in other words, it gives you an opportunity to have a bus ride. It's about the same distance as Wheeling, uh, five hours or so, four and a half to five hours. And so it gives you one more opponent that you can kind of rotate through. And for Bloomington, they can come in. They can have a weekend swing that takes them from Kalamazoo to Toledo to Fort Wayne. Everybody sees them once. I think it's a good thing. Welcome, Bloomington. (laughs) You mentioned it quickly. Philadelphia's Eagles star center Jason Kelsey told his teammates last night that he is retiring. Kelsey, 36, was visibly emotional at the end of the Eagles' 32-9 wildcard loss to the Buccaneers. The six-time All-Pro and future Hall of Famer had considered retiring in recent seasons, but it will happen for sure this time. And for all you sports video game players out there, it was announced earlier today that EA Sports College Football is planned to launch on July 12th of this year. More good news, there's no longer concern that several FBS schools would opt out of being in the game as the expectation is now that most if not all 118 FBS schools will be included in the game's roster. Ah, so you can play the Irish against the Crimson Tide. I don't know what teams opted out. Me either. I don't play it. Me either, but I know this is a very popular game. It had been gone for a while because of uh, student playing rules, but now with NIL back, it's back. All right. That it? That's it for today. (laughs) Okay, there's your headlines that we've got with Adam Lundy. Still coming up, we're going to focus on some of the key matchups tonight as Purdue visits Indiana. Also coming up, what's the future for the Philadelphia Eagles at head coach? What uh, What does the future look like and what does the future hold for the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll talk about that. Uh, Also, around the state in college basketball, we'll talk about a couple of teams that have some losing streaks and what they've got to do to get those ended. And that comes up before the top of the hour. Now, hour number two today, it is your chance to win with Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Yeah, you can knock me off. So get uh, get close to your phone, especially just after 5 o'clock. I'll give you that clue that we're going to be playing Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia today. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. We've got the Parkview Sports Medicine text line open. 
And we've got time to answer questions. So if you have them, fire away at 46862. That's 46862. It is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Tonight, we've got basketball with the Purdue Boilermakers visiting the Indiana Hoosiers from Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, it was, <laughs> that was, uh, for those of you that caught our sports update a few moments ago, Adam tried to tease us with the fact that the ECHL is adding a team in Bloomington, Illinois. I had to do it. I know. So I had to try to come back and give you a <laughs> Bloomington, Indiana. But uh, it should be a good one tonight with the Boilermakers in Indiana kind of battling for first place in the Big Ten. But uh, according to the friends out in the desert, Purdue's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. They sure are. And you've got Ken Palm, who's the wizard of analytics in college <laughs> basketball, Ken Pomeroy. He's got Purdue winning this game based on analytics and statistical data. He has, or is it data? Is it data or data? I'm fine with either. Okay, so he goes by the statistical data and has Purdue winning 81 to 70. 11 point win, nine and a half in Vegas. Maybe I'm missing something because I'm emotionally connected to this game being almost a lifelong resident of this state. But I cannot see this game being a 10 point contest. No, I'm, I'm at Assembly yeah. Hall. Now, this was in Blooming or in uh, Mackey Arena. Then I would say, yes, I'd give, I'd say a 10 point, 12 point Purdue advantage. Absolutely. But this game being at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, where Indiana seems to always get elevated, we talked about this yesterday, Adam. We did. Which uh, environment is more intimidating, has more of an impact on the game? And our, our texters that responded to us yesterday tended to favor Assembly Hall over Mackey Arena mm -hmm. because both of these venues can uh, certainly affect a visiting team or have an impact on the game because of the sixth man. They're both loud. They're both raucous crowds. They're great fans. And uh, yesterday, uh, the opinion was Indiana has more of an impact. Zach Eady even said... Last year, first half, that that the noise and the atmosphere kind of overwhelmed them for a while. And so I look at this and I think, how is this being projected as a nine and a half to 11 point game by Vegas and by Ken Palm? I think it's closer than that. Now, I do think the best team will win. And I think the best team is Purdue. Even though it's at IU, I think Purdue wins, but I do think it's close. I could be completely off on this, but that is my gut. And uh, my gut is telling me this ends up being a three or four point game. Um, and, you know, something 74-71, 74-70, something in that ballpark, 75-71. That's, that's what I'm expecting. You let us know what you expect on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Yeah, just taking a look at some of the lines for the game tonight. Like we mentioned, it's Purdue minus nine and a half. Uh, taking a look at the over-under point total that they're, uh, they're offering. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go for it. I haven't looked. Uh, I do know the line because I saw that on the app when I looked at the game. Over-under, I'm going to say, uh, 74 one point. I'll say 146 and a half. Pretty close. It's 149 and a half. 
Okay. I should have stuck with my guns. I was, I was going to say 148 and a half, and I thought, no, nah, that's probably a little high. Uh, 149 and a half on the over under. Uh, I, well, I just gave a projection of under. Yeah. Purdue's offense, though, can be really good. The question is, what defense are we going to get from Indiana? That's the question. If they come out with that emotionally driven defense like we saw against Kansas, they could make things tough on the Boilermakers. I think the matchups are fascinating in this game because Indiana has two bigs. Last year, um, you know, the two bigs with Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, you could kind of, I, I don't want to say lay off them at the three-point line because Race Thompson was certainly capable of popping a three. But they didn't have to chase Trace Jackson Davis outside the arc and worry about his shot. And this year, you've got Malik Renew and Khalil Ware, and both of them are very capable of getting hot behind the three-point line. And so, especially at home. And so I, I look at that and think, okay, if they can stretch Zach Eady away from the basket, now that opens things up for a... Trey Galloway to drive. Mackenzie Mbako to take it to the basket and finish. Who's going to guard Mbako? You know, out of the remaining players, Lance Jones is not big. What's he, 6'2", 6'3"? You've got Fletcher Lawyer, not big. Braden Smith, not big. Somebody has to match up with the 6'7", 6'8", Mackenzie Mbako. I don't know who that would be. And therefore, if you've got Edie away from the basket and uh, and you take... Uh, the other big for Indiana, whether it's Ware or or Renew, and they're being guarded by Purdue's four-man, which could be uh, Drake Hoffman-Wren, it could be Caleb Burst, could be Mason Gillis. I, all I think is that matchup of the three is going to become a very important matchup. I think every time down the floor, one side or the other has an advantage. I think Zach Eady is going to tear up Khalil Ware, if that's the matchup that Mike Woodson tries to go with. And Purdue has been hitting. I mean, they're among the top 20 in the country in three-point percentage. I don't know exactly where they sit as of today. But their improvement in hitting three-point shots has been a real key for them this year. And uh, I I don't think Khalil Ware can match up with Zach Eady by himself. I think, you know, he's going to be the guy that tries to present a resistance between Eady and the basket. And I think someone else is going to have to front him. But it's it's going to be fun to watch this uh, chess match between these two coaches as Indiana hosts Purdue. And, of course, who's got the coverage? We do. Oh, right yeah. here. 1380 The Fan on 100.9 FM. Rob Blackman. With Purdue basketball, that will start at 7 o'clock right after the Mastodon's Coaches Show from 6 to 7. And then, of course, we've got the Indiana Network with Don Fisher, uh, all the play-by-play call on WoWo 92.3 FM, only on the FM frequency for WoWo. That's WoWo 92.3 FM. You keep leaning into the mic, no? Nope. But, uh, yeah, just taking a look here, Purdue is currently ninth in the country in three-point percentage. Oh, okay. So they're not only top 20, they're top 10. Uh, What are they at, 38.9? 39.79. Wow, they've upped it. Good. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. If you double down, who do you double off of? And then you've got guys like Lance Jones, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith that can all hit threes. I'll tell you this, if Purdue wins, Fletcher Lawyer is going to have to hit at least, what, three threes? 
I'd two, say that's two fair. Two or three. Yeah. I mean, he, he can't have one of those one for six days no. or one for seven days from beyond the arc. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We're going to come back. Plenty more before the top of the hour. Uh, we've got to talk about Ball State and the Cardinals in a bit of a slide right now. Also, uh, was Shane Steichen, was he the glue guy in Philadelphia? Because that team has come apart and we're going to talk about that as well. It's all part of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Adam, I do believe I need your help on this because I want to get word out to the media that should the job open up at Michigan, that I would have interest in being their next head coach. All right. Just kind of throw it out there, circulate it. I'll get it out there. Okay, thank you. Uh, Brian Kelly, of course, has... Uh, Apparently, according to reports, expressed an interest in the Michigan job. Should it become available? Should Jim Harbaugh move on to the NFL? Uh, that was reported today. Um, I don't know if this has been out there for a little while, but generally these type of reports surface because somebody in Kel Brian Kelly's camp wants to make sure that Michigan gets word that, hey, you know, this guy would like to talk to you before you just automatically hand it to your offensive coordinator. We've got somebody that might want to want to interview. <laughs> and so you have someone who leaks it to the media to get it reported. So it's out there. So Michigan now knows. But that but uh, Brian Kelly uh, apparently would have interest in Michigan. What does this mean for him in Louisiana, where they consider themselves to have the best football coaching job in America? <laughs> um, Tigers down here by you, uh, but seriously, uh, LSU would have to be uh, somewhat embarrassed by that, right? The fact that their head coach would leave their program to go up into a cold, wintry Big <laughs> Ten state. Well, it is the national championship you know, winners, and it's a really good program. But you know what? LSU thinks very highly of their program, too. So it's like you said, could definitely be offended if he wants to go up there and go to Michigan. Yeah, over 100,000 fans that fill that stadium down in Baton Rouge, much like what the, the big house used to be so much bigger than everybody else. Everybody else has figured out how to get 100,000 into their stadium. Mm. I mean, now you've got, I think you've got 100,000 capacity, what, Penn State, uh, Knoxville, I think Baton Rouge can hold a hundred. Trying to think if there's anybody else that actually can eclipse the one hundred thousand mark, because Alabama is not quite there. Alabama is somewhere in the vicinity of of eighty thousand, I believe. Um, trying to think, Ohio State I think is ninety thousand. Uh, Ohio State says one hundred and two. Really? See, I told you they keep figuring out ways to add more seats. Hundred and two. So, what are uh, what are the biggest? Do you have the list of the biggest uh, college football stadiums? Because I know Penn State added extra levels and closed in one end, and I know so they've added and added and added, and I yeah. think they're now at a hundred thousand. Yep. The top five: uh, number one, Michigan; number two, Penn State; number three, Ohio State. Number four, Texas A&M, and number five is LSU. Okay. There you go. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, Michigan's got a really good job, but apparently Brian Kelly would would uh, bail out of Baton Rouge to go to Michigan. 46862, Sparkview Sports Medicine text line. Tonight it is Purdue 
and Indiana down in Bloomington. First meeting. These two will meet again coming up next month at Becky Arena. Going into tonight, Purdue a nine-and-a-half point favorite. I thought that seemed extreme, although a Purdue fan feels that that it would be embarrassing not to beat Indiana by at least ten points. I... I'm sorry. Uh, Indiana is a different team at home. Look what they did with Kansas. They really had Kansas on the ropes, Mm -hmm. and Kansas made some unbelievable plays down the stretch to win that game in Bloomington. Um, And and I expect that type of game. I think Indiana will ride the emotion and that, that great atmosphere, and I think they will be able to at some point either compete or maybe even lead in this ballgame. But I think ultimately talent rules the day. And I think the talent of Purdue, which I think is supreme to Indiana's talent. I also think coaching advantage goes to Purdue as far as in-game adjustments. And so I'm going to say Purdue pulls it out, but it's a three- or four-point game. Uh, I think it stays somewhat close. I don't think Indiana lets them run away. Just my thought. No, uh, yeah. I, I mean, and I think Indiana is going to play some some emotional defense, which is going to keep this from being a 90 to 80 some game. Uh, but uh, I think this game will end up something in the lower 70s, maybe up to the mid 70s, but probably low 70s. All right. So uh, let us know what you think on a Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Absolutely. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I thought maybe we had a text. I'm sorry. Uh, speaking of college basketball, the Ball State Cardinals, we have not talked about them for a while because I was kind of hoping that I could wait until they did something positive so I could bring them up and talk about what's happening with Coach Michael Lewis and the Ball State Cardinals. We have so many Cardinals fans, and a lot of people here that either attend or have attended Ball State Well, Ball State's in the middle of a six-game losing streak. They have not won since Christmas, and they are 0-4 in Mid-American Conference play. And the Mid-American Conference is not a intimidating basketball conference. I can can tell you that if you had had a Horizon League versus Mid-America Conference challenge, the Horizon League would win it easily. But uh, but Ball State is struggling right now in finding their identity. They've lost a number of close games. I mean, the five-point game, I think a six-point game. They had a three-point game. They've lost a lot of close ones, just lost a tough one to Toledo where they led it most of the way and then lost to the Rockets, who are a really good basketball team. But uh, Ball State has lost six straight, now eight and eight on the year. They've got a chance to end the losing streak. They're at Eastern Michigan on the road up in Ypsilanti. And Eastern Michigan is 8-8, eight and eight, but a vulnerable team that Ball State has a real good shot at beating. And uh, so Ball State in action tonight. Also, tomorrow night, Mastodon's trying to get off their three-game losing streak. After dropping a home game to Wright State, they went on the road last week to Youngstown State. And then at Robert Morris... Gave up a three-pointer in the final seconds to tie it and force overtime. And then a three-pointer at the buzzer. Basically, I'd say it's a Hail Mary, but it was from the three-point line. It dropped, and the Dons fell 91-88 to the Robert Morris Colonials. So the Dons trying to put an end to their three-game losing streak. They'll take on in-state rival IUPUI tomorrow at the Coliseum. 
And a side note, the all-time series between these two teams is 18-17, advantage IUPUI. So if the Dons can get the win, 36 all-time meanings, and it will be exactly 18 wins apiece. So uh, come on out to the Coliseum, check out the action starting at 7 o'clock, or you can listen to the game starting at 6.45 with the uh, pregame show and 7 o'clock the tip right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Also, uh, we've got Tuesday Time Castle trivia that's coming up right after the top of the hour. Hey, make sure you get uh, signed up for breaking sports, no- sports news. You can also interact with our show. Uh, all you have to do is text FAN. To 46862, and uh, that will get you connected with the Fan Text Club. So you text FAN to 46862 to get to be part of the conversation today. Also, don't forget, we're always streaming, so you can take us wherever you go. We are mobile, and we are worldwide. You can stream us at 1380thefan.com online. Uh, also on the free 1380 The Fan app, if you haven't uh, put the app on your phone yet, go ahead and get that. Also, if you've got a smart speaker, uh, and I know Ryan Eaton is uh, one of our favorite listeners that listens by a smart speaker device. If you've got a smart speaker, be sure you're checking out 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Got to take a uh, quick break. Top of the hour. Man, we've got so much going on. Dallas, Philadelphia. Are they looking for coaches? And what impact has Shane Steichen had in Philly? Has that been exposed? Also, we have Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. And Dylan Sin will join us at about 20 after the hour. It is a Tuesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.